Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. As we always like to say, we'll help you keep it running thanks to the help we get from uh, folks like this guy here, Nick Stoffel, who is an ASC certified technician at Lloyd's Automotive on beautiful but wet Grand Avenue this morning. Hi, Nick. Good morning. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Haven't seen you for a while. Things going well at Lloyd's, I hope. Yeah, things are well at uh, Lloyd's. Things are good at home. Things are just good. Well, I'm glad. That's real positive. Well, we'll put you back to work here this morning. Uh, If you're familiar with the show and if you have any issues with your vehicle and before you take it into your favorite dealer or your favorite shop, uh, Nick will help you out at least with some information that you did not have. Before you bring in, it really is a good thing, isn't it? When, when, whether you go to Lloyd's or your favorite dealer or whatever, to to have something to tell that uh, guy was, you talk. With. I was thinking that because I was hoping you'd ask me because I can't stress enough how important it is to have as much information to help the people trying to help you fix your car. You know, whether it's a noise or it's a hesitation or if it's a light, any kind of information you can share with them. Like it's only on a cold morning, on a wet day, after I've been driving. Anything you can give really, really does help. Yeah, that's great. And that's how it works here. It's worked for about 20 years. So if you do have a question, maybe you have an issue with your vehicle, you don't have to be a motorhead at all. Uh, Just to give us a call or send a text, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. We've cleared the line. So if you want to ask Nick your car care question, by all means, uh, or send a text if that's easier. That's 81807-81807. What, what, what are people going into Lloyd's for now? Just prepping for the fall and winter, mostly? Absolutely. Like we were talking off air there, you know, this is a really important time to, you know, look, look at those tires, you know, because in the next short time, unfortunately, the weather will change for the worst or for the better, depending on your opinion. Yeah. And you might need new tires. Uh, wiper blades are talking. You're saying your wiper blades are chattering across the windshield, and we always... We always joke about, I'll give you the passenger side one if you're willing to pay double for the driver's side one because <laughs> you'll be amazed at what, you know, you don't realize your wipers just slowly deteriorate and a fresh set of wipers is unbelievable. How so, often do you personally, cha- your, in your personal vehicle, uh, change your blades? I would say it's, it's about every year, maybe a little bit longer, but okay. I do park in the garage in the winter. Um, you know, the the sun, you know, in the wintertime too, yeah. you really should not use your wiper blades to clear your windshield when you come out in the morning. It's really hard on the wipers yeah. and the mechanism too. We replace a lot, a lot of that wiper uh, transmission, as we call it, or wiper motor because they get damaged from people trying to clear the windshield with the wipers versus with the scraper. So get, some of us get a little lazy when uh, we're inside warming up the vehicle and you don't want to scrape the windshield, right? It, it, it happens. I yeah. mean, and it, it's okay. It happens. But if you can do those little steps, it'll kind of help prolong the life of those wipers. All right. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text numbers eight one eight zero seven. Let's get back to the phones. Well, like we're going to answer as many calls. Keep in mind that Nick will be here till about about another half hour. So don't wait if you have a question. By all means, get it to us earlier rather than uh, later. Sarah is first up here, calling from Shakopee. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you so kindly for being here. It's a two thousand two Dodge Grand Caravan. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it starts idling really rough. And on those days, it does do that, and it's idling really rough, and almost to the point where it feels like it's going to stop. 
it also between going between 40 and 50 miles an hour, it starts chug, 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 and feels like it's chug it as a rough time doing that. And then when I get past 50, it's okay. Are all, are those two things related? They very well might be. You know, you might, uh, you might have something where you have a misfire on the right conditions. You said on the right day, maybe if the humidity is correct or if there's uh, something else with temperature going on there. Um, if it's really chugging uh, aggressively, that can, in the long term, be hard on the vehicle or on the on the engine and on the exhaust system. So I, I think the best thing to do is, you know, maybe try to document a drive cycle that you can duplicate that problem, take it to your regular mechanic or dealer, whomever you work with, and try to duplicate that drive cycle with them so they can experience it. Because the last thing you want to happen is if this problem get worse and now you're at 40, 50, 60 miles an hour on the highway and have the car stall on you and have you be stranded. Okay, and that's with the rough idle at a stop sign too? It's the same thing? It, it could be a misfire. If there's something cutting off with the fuel, like a fuel injector or a coil or something along those lines, it could create a rough idle and a drivability problem. That okay. being said, they, they can be different, but the fact that they're both kind of happening at the same time would lead you to think that there's one problem creating both. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Sarah, good luck with that, and thank you for the call. Uh, Pete is calling from uh, Brooklyn Center. Uh, yeah, there he is. Go ahead, Pete. Thanks. Yeah, a friend of mine has a 2001 Nissan Maxima FD, and uh, he had one headlight working, and then we were looking at it, and uh, both of them don't work, but... When the relays are good and the fuses are good and we get no headlights, but if you uh, jumper the headlights, they come on. And the weird one is if you ground out one side of the fuse on the fuse block, the headlights click on and stay on. So mm. so you, you, you're doing a couple things there. Obviously, you're bypassing part of the circuit to make it work. I think the clue is right there. If you have to bypass something to make it work, there's something wrong with the area that you're bypassing. Is it a wire? Is it a connection, a connector, something on that side? And then the other thing you mentioned, if you're going on the other side, the relay and grounding it, maybe the switch isn't feeding the correct power or the ground to that relay to operate it. So two things. You know, it sounds like you're capable. Find that wiring diagram. Figure out exactly how that circuit works. See what portion of it that you're bypassing when you're grounding it to make it come on and do the same with the relay and see how, in some fashion, that they might be connected. Okay. Sounds good. I like when people try. You know, no, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's, it gives us a little hope that, you know, we can still get out there, roll our sleeves up, and try. I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying. Stop before you get yourself in trouble, which is kind <laughs> of right. the, the gray area, I know. But it's really there's no turning back. Yeah, yeah it happens. But right. I'd love to see people that try. All right. Pete, thank you for the call. We have to take a quick break here. We'll get some text messages uh, uh, taken care of, too. If you want to call us, by all means, 651-989-9226. Or uh, send uh, Nick a text, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And a good Saturday morning to you. Danny Long here with Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive on beautiful Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I want to get some text messages uh, your way, Nick, but let's talk a little bit for those that don't know where Lloyd's Automotive is. Give us a location and how do we get in touch? Well, as you had mentioned earlier, beautiful Grand Avenue, St. Paul. We're two blocks east of Lexington Parkway at 982 Grand Avenue, just on the road from the Lexington restaurant. Yeah. And, uh, which is open. Which is open, and they have a patio, and it's, it's a beautiful place. You should go visit. Yeah. Uh, we, if you're on the, in front of your computer, as we always mention, uh, lloydsautomotive.net 
and that's spelled L-L-O-Y-D-S Automotive.net. And if you ever want to give us a call, we're at uh, 651-228-1316. And every so often, as you know, Nick, and I'm sure you do there at the shop, we get questions, is there really a Lloyd? There was. There was a Lloyd. Uh, the business started in the mid-40s, and the Lloyd's obviously passed. And sure. actually, Dan is just the third owner. Okay. All right. Beautiful place, though, I tell you, as you know. Six five. Uh, by the way, Nick, again, is going to be here only till about 745. So if you have a car issue or truck or van problem and you want uh, maybe a hint of what may be the problem, uh, give us a call. There's a line open, 651-989-9226, or send a text at 81807. Texter says this, uh, it's a few lines long here, uh, looking at buying a used truck, maybe between the years of 2007 and 2009, how about a Chevy, what's a good engine for those years, I've heard the 5.3 flex fuel burns oil in many of those trucks, also how long can I drive on full synthetic oil, I don't know if you want to field all of those. A lot of good questions, Um, you know the hard thing is when you're buying a vehicle that's 10 years old, if you can get the history of the vehicle. Uh, brand is a lot to do with preference. You know, I mean, I, yeah. uh, go drive the Chevrolet, try the Ford, the Toyota, the Dodge, you know, see which one feels the best for you. You know, you might not like the mirrors on one of them. You might not like yeah, a blind spot. True. You know, if it's, if it's not comfortable for you, don't buy it. So find the one that fits you well. If it has a good maintenance record, have a shop like ours or yours, give it a good inspection before you purchase the vehicle. Um, you know, I have to be careful how I phrase this, but I always say, I think that mechanically most vehicles, if you maintain them, the mechanics of it will go forever. So if you do keep on top of the oil changes and do all the regular maintenance, I don't. it's rare to see a problem where there's a failure of the engine or transmission. Typically, it's wear and tear from maybe neglect or a situation out of their control, but rarely is it just like it wore out. Have you ever seen, has anybody brought in a vehicle with, <laughs> with problems and that this person never has changed the oil? Oh, well, Big Nick and I were joking about uh, uh, the customer I was in. We're joking with him on how his wife didn't know she had changed oil on her new car and made it like 18,000 miles, and then it stopped. Oh, my. And needed an engine. Ooh. Yeah, that's not covered under warranty. You, no. you have to perform that regular maintenance. So, yes, it, oil change is really important. Yes, you do have to change the oil. It'd be really nice if you check your oil, too, when you put gas in the car. Your car would appreciate that. You know, I, I try to do that. As a rule, off and on. I wonder how many people this, to this day uh, check their oil. So today when everyone's getting gas, look around at the gas station, see how many people open their hood. Yeah. No one. Not, you don't see that anymore. All right. So go for it. And the synthetic oil uh, is fine. Yeah. We, you know, we've talked over the years a lot about it. I use it. You use it. We yeah. love it. It yeah. helps. It does help. It's, it's better for sure. It's a few extra dollars over the course of a vehicle. A new car costs you tens of thousands of dollars. It's worth an extra couple of dollars. Cheap maintenance. It's for cheap sure. maintenance. Bruce is calling uh, in from Edina this morning. Bruce, you're on with Nick. Uh, good morning. Morning. Um, I have a C5 Corvette and a, uh, the ABS light is on. And I have had, I've taken it to, do, to a couple of shops. And <laughs> they, they all say, oh, three to $4,000 to fix it. And they really don't show me the diagnosis or anything like that. So, um, so on an event, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who to trust. You know, to go and have it checked out properly. Well, you can uh, 
here's my advice. If you tried a couple shops local and they're not giving you the uh, your, your expectations aren't being you know met there. Uh, maybe you expand your range a little bit. Try a dealership. I promise you, if there's a light on, there's got to be a code there somewhere. Somebody with the right diagnostic equipment can retrieve that code and then have a discussion with you. Maybe it's something to do with a module or one of the speed sensors. Something is awry because the light is on. Unfortunately, maybe the people that you've been dealing with and you're dealing with a Corvette, that's just not their field of uh, expertise because keep in mind a Corvette is a little different than most typical vehicles. So, I would absolutely um, maybe contact your local dealer, set up an appointment, and kind of go through the story with them. And you you weren't there, so you haven't seen any paperwork. And maybe Bruce said he, he didn't see any paperwork either as far as a description on what may be. So, and like, they might not have the equipment to do it. That's and, you know, true. That's, that's another thing in this industry. As time evolves, there's more specialty equipment. So make sure when you're talking with your mechanic and your, your dealer and your shop, uh, make sure you have that open line of communication so you understand what they're trying to do for you. I tell you what, let's do, Nick. Uh, we're up against And Mark, you're going to be next uh, on the phone, though we have some text messages, too. So hang on, Nick. We'll take our usual bottom-of-the-hour break. Nick's going to be here till about 745 when we hear from Jack Farrell. So don't wait. If you have a question, call us or send a text this morning. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here with Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. And, Nick, uh, we have, as usual, callers and texters. And before you go, let's see how many folks we can help out here. Let's do it, huh? Mark in Forest Lake is first up. Thanks for waiting, Mark. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. Um, kind of wish I was calling in with a Corvette problem like the other gentlemen. <laughs> yes. But, uh, I, yeah. uh, uh, not in that pay grade, but uh, good for Bruce. Uh, nice problem to have. Uh, I have a 2004 Dodge pickup uh four-wheel drive. It's more of a nuisance than a problem. Uh, it has a rattle up front when I'm going over bumps and whatnot. Steering is tight. Uh, you know, there's no looseness in the steering wheel. It's more just like a, a rattle. And I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not it's these little rubber bushings up front or what you guys might think that is. I agree. I bet it's the rubber bushings. On, on the front where the stabilizer bar mounts to the frame, there's some rubber bushings. And usually a light rattle, not a real deep clunk, is the sway bar. Um, whether it's at the outer ends of it or the center mounting to the frame, likely one of those is worn enough where it's allowing movement as you head down the road. I kind of thought that's what it was, but, you know, um, that, I guess that confirms it then. All right, good. I hey, guess. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks we, Mark. We fixed one. Yeah. We did. All right. Hooray. Thank you, Mark. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, texters here. I don't want to forget uh, these folks e- uh, either. Uh, 06 Tahoe, heated seat is shot. If I find a seat at a salvage yard, is it an easy fix just to switch the seats out? 06, I bet it is. As they get newer, there might be an initialization or a programming aspect to it because there's more than just the heated seat aspect. Obviously, you have the memory seats with the positioning and stuff. So uh, you can look online or maybe even check with a, a dealer to make sure before you go make that investment. But as far as and there's only a few bolts that hold that in place, so you should be able to handle it, I would hope. Okay. Texter says this, uh, I just uh, brought my vehicle in to the shop, the ABS light, brake light, stable track light, and all-wheel drive light had come on. They state it's both from uh, ABS sensors, and they have to replace both hubs with the sensors. I'm not understanding why they have to replace both hubs. 
Well, depending on what fault information, all those lights are related because if it's is in fact dealing with one of those hubs, as he referred to it, which is a wheel bearing. So obviously, our tires need to roll down the road. Yeah. So each wheel has a bearing in place to allow that. Well, it was, over time, they've learned that they can build a whole hub assembly that includes the bearing, the ABS circuitry or the sensor for each wheel built into it. So whoever looked at the vehicle, I suspect, found fault codes pertaining to more than one of those sensors, went to that actual wheel, measured and saw that, in fact, there's nothing coming out of that sensor, so they're not working. So if somebody's recommending it, they should be able to follow up with that kind of information to kind of help clarify for the customer. All right, another text. By the way, if you want to send a text, it's 81807. Uh, This texture says, uh, why do you think the oil pressure goes up when I let off the gas on my 78 F-150? 306. Good question. Typically, you would think the oil pressure would go down with the engine RPM. If it's something where you're letting up and the sump creates a bit of a vacuum, maybe there's a quick surge, but I would think the lower the engine speed, you get down to that 800 RPMs that the pressure would kind of settle down. A 2001 PT Cruiser texter says the left side headlight and left side taillight do not work. Light bulbs are brand new on each. What else could it be? You know, it seems like we see a lot more um, connection issues. You know, the bulbs run hotter, uh, they're they're brighter, and it seems that we find that the contact area where the bulb and the uh, socket come together get kind of corroded, overheated. Oftentimes you can clean them up with a wire brush, put some contact... uh, dielectric grease in there, and that might resolve the problem. Okay. Uh, 96 Lincoln Town Cars. Security alarm goes off by itself, untouched. What do you think could cause this? There's ghost. Close to to Halloween. Uh, On Lincoln, that's a tough one. Obviously, it thinks that there's a door open, the hood open, or somebody's trying to get the vehicle started. Uh, That might require a little bit of time into the diagnosis process because it's probably not very straightforward. Keep in mind, though, if that alarm keeps going off, it's wearing your battery down and upsetting your neighbors. So you should probably have that looked at. Last week, Dan and I were talking about uh, uh, would you guys have to clean off wheels, rims, from that corrosion, that thing that builds up that causes leakage on tires, right? Well, this texter says, uh, good morning. Uh, The auto expert last week, you talked about corrosion in wheel. Well, he says wheel wells, but I think he means the wheels. Uh, have a five-year-old SUV and took it in for some work. Told mechanic there was a slow leak in two tires. He checked out and said it's too corroded. Can wells be too corroded? I do not wish to buy new wheels and just want to minimize leakage. I, I'm not sure. So I, I think I follow. And okay. we have seen it ourselves where the amount of corrosion on that bead surface of the wheel. Yes. So this nomenclature gets confusing, I it know. Does. But the tire is the rubber piece. The wheel is a shiny piece that bolts to the car. Where the tire and the wheel come together is called the bead. The bead surface of the wheel can get extremely corroded where we will go through with a wire brush, clean it. But if we can't make that surface clean and smooth again, it's not going to seal. And you can't keep grinding because you'll run out. So if it's to the point where they've attempted to clean it and it won't seal up, unfortunately, you probably need to get a different wheel. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Dan did that to Tony's Explorer. And it's still holding up fine. But you're right. You only have, you can't wear it down forever. No. And when it's part of our climate, we use salt, yeah. we have True. winter, yeah. we have summers. You know, it's just part of where we live. Another texture says this a 2008 Nissan Altima, 155,000 miles. I was told I need complete brake job, including calipers. Could they all be bad? 
And how can you tell? Is this common? It's very expensive. Calipers are very, very expensive. We try not to sell them if we don't need to. However, that being said, if the parking brake mechanism is built into it and it's seized up, or if the piston itself, this is the hydraulic piece that moves back and forth, is pitted or corroded or leaking, you unfortunately do have to replace it. Now, if it's something to do with the slides or the hardware, oftentimes those pieces can be sourced separately and refurbished to continue using the parts that you have. This texter wants to know how do you feel uh, about purchasing a vehicle with a rebuilt title? What should you ask or look for when considering to purchase? I don't like it, but price is everything. Yeah. Meaning if it's a really good deal, you know what you're getting yourself into. If it's a newer vehicle with a lot of electronics, I'd probably be even more conservative on making that choice. I, I just don't um, – I know it's attractive because it's a really good yeah, price. sure. But – I suspect over the course of a couple of years, you're going to be spending the money you would have to get in a vehicle that didn't have yeah. that title, but I don't know. It's hard to say individual basis. You'd have, yes. to, you'd have to have it checked out yourself. You know. Do I need to do, Texture says, anything special to replace the brakes and rotors on a 2010 Chevy Equinox? The uh, Equinox is the one with current mileage of 440350 Wow. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, nothing yeah. special to change. No, no. I mean, if you're if you have the tools and the equipment, have a way to safely secure the vehicle. You know, we talked before about don't sit underneath the vehicle on a jack. Make sure there's another secondary support system there, so you don't end up with the car falling off and hurting someone. Uh, but if you have the tools and the capability, make sure you buy good quality parts. I can't stress that enough. People complain about the brakes pulsating or squeaking or this or that. It all starts with the parts, number one. Number two, make sure you follow the procedure to a T that you're cleaning everything properly, not just slapping it together. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I have a 2000 Lexus RX 300 with 187,000 miles on it. It's burning oil now. Will any additive help forestall a valve job, which is a major expense? You know, uh, they've been trying to sell fix a car in a can yeah. for as long as we've all been alive. My statement would be there's a lot of good products that can help you prolong, maintain, keep your vehicle wondering wonderfully. My opinion is once something has become a problem or it's broken or damaged or worn out, you can't undo that. You got to fix it. So you can definitely try. You know, the, the additives aren't horribly expensive. Uh, try one. If it seems to buy a little bit of time, by all means, buy a little time. But ultimately, you're going to have to fix it. And this uh, text, uh, the, the vehicle has close to 200,000 miles on it. So there you go, too. So it's got a few rounds on around. In my Camry, texture says, my glove box light and my fog lights stopped working. Is that a fuse issue? If yes, what do I do? Uh, I would say, no, I would say the fog lights is probably a corrosion issue because they're at the bottom of the bumper and they oh, yeah. collect all the stuff. And I don't know for a fact, but I highly doubt that the fog light, and the glove box would use the same fuse. The glove box would be associated with the dome light inside the vehicle. If the dome light works, I suspect that the bulb is just burnt out. So I wouldn't, uh, don't go too far into that. Try the bulb on the glove box. Maybe get a little bit of help on those fog lights. Okay. I think we're going to get all these, or at least almost all the techs taken care of. When driving on the highway, my idiot lights came on, including ABS. The speedometer dropped to zero for about four to five miles, and then everything went back to normal. It's a Honda 2002 CRV. Is this car still drivable? Yes. I wonder, though, if there's not something maybe with an ignition switch, contacts being worn. Uh, 
the fact that everything kind of went haywire on the dash and then came back and you know there's probably a little bit more of that story but as it sits yes but if there is a problem with that switch I'd be worried if it's a contact wear issue and if that continues then maybe it won't run so if you can duplicate that or any piece of that take it to your to your shop and say hey here's what my car is doing what do you think yeah well this listener thinks and this is our final text this listener appreciates the car expert's way of explaining things so clearly. Good job. That's unsolicited for you, Nick. No. He, he sent that to himself. <laughs> how do, you, uh, well, how do we you. get in touch with? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate your help. Now, how do we get in touch with Lloyd's now? Are you going to be there today? I will be there in, let's see, how many minutes do you think here? About 17 minutes? 17 minutes. And uh, yeah, no, first off, thank you. Our listeners are the best. They really yes, they are. are. We, they, and they know as much as we do often. They even help correct us sometimes. That's which true. I, we're all human. I love it. I do. Uh, Lloyd's Automotive is in St. Paul at 982 Grand Avenue. Our phone number is 651-228-1316, and it's lloydsautomotive.net. Real fast, yes or no, nitrogen in tires, is it useful? There's 78% already there. <laughs> very good. Nick, we'll see you at Lloyd's. Thanks very much. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.